There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Assembly Required, the MCU retrospect. No, you know what? I'm doing it again. I'm not saying the again. <laughs> not saying the again. It's A. Or it's N. Please make uh, this the actual intro. No, don't do it. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the podcast where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. Peach is doing an intro retake by Peach is doing an intro retake. I'm your host, Peaches, in case you didn't know. We got another wonky cast as far as, um, you know, not having the whole group together. What if continues to what if uh, as hard as a what if can what if. So, hey, Chris. Hey, Robbie. What's going on? Hey, Peaches. Hey there. <laughs> we thought we were going to have an Eduardo and then we didn't. So that is uh, the story of the what if saga. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just not being really sure what's going on. But how are you guys doing? Welcome. Welcome back. Yeah. I'm doing well. Back. I'm sitting here thinking about next month and how much is going on for multiple people on this podcast next month and realizing that I feel like this is going to last. And I guess we should just warn people. This is going to last beyond what if, I think. We're just, we're very <laughs> fractured right now. Yeah. <laughs> not in a bad way. Ball. Not in a bad fracture. Not in a bad way. Just in a life happens way. There's just a lot of things going on for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. it is getting increasingly difficult to align our schedules um but hopefully you know in, an, in another hopefully by the time hawkeye rolls around because hawkeye i think comes out around thanksgiving mm-hmm. yeah um, right now we might, I, we might settle into things by the time hawkeye comes out right now i think my life is back to normal after october i think yeah i think so that's y'all me. speak for yourself because everybody but me has a very uh a very like chaos oriented life at the moment and i'm just over here peaching you are <laughs> our rock <laughs> well i have a million weddings coming you want to be my plus one to them i'm your peach pit i'll be your rock <laughs> or i'll be i'll be your rock i'll be your plus one and your rock i have a wedding coming up too guys it's so weird that like we can participate in weddings again yeah well and mm. i think it seems like everyone i know who's getting married looked at yeah october and it's like hey guys you can't all do October. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. And then they did anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did not. They, they did not heed your warning. Yeah, I don't know how you guys are feeling. This is a funny episode to like stay up until two thirty three the night before and then record because uh, you know it's the party Thor episode and I maybe feel a little hungover even though I didn't drink last night. <laughs> I stayed up watching. Um, Here's our already segue for the day. I stayed up watching a bunch of episodes of Midnight Mass, the new show. How is that? By I'm Mike looking Flanagan. forward to watching that. Yeah, I I won't spoil it, obviously. Um, and if there are any other like Haunting of Hill House slash Bly Manor slash any of other any other of his works fans out there, um, I will say absolutely start watching Midnight Mass. It is so gripping. I. There was not, of the four episodes that we watched, there was not a single one where I didn't want to immediately hit play. Mm. I got home, like I said, at like 2.30 in the morning last night because we just kept hitting play. And when I got here, I knew I should go to bed. We have to record in the morning. And I had to 
I had to stop myself from putting Netflix on and watching the fifth episode. Like it's very good. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Yes. So if you need a if you need a, a good scary fix, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Watch it. All right. And I, I am like positive that you'll like it, uh, Chris. Oh yeah. Robbie, I know you haven't watched Hill House or Bly Manor, but so far it does not have like that somber, like beat you down with depression with depression. Uh <laughs> okay feel that those other two shows have it's more of like a traditional like mystery scary type show Hmm. like you're trying to figure out what the hell is going on and it's scary at the same time okay well now now that you've gone through the hunting of hill house house at uh halloween horror nights robbie i do think that you should you should give that show a watch and be like oh that's what they were doing you guys uh, yeah maybe Listen, man, we suggest stuff to you all the time. And you're like, eh, I don't think I want to. And what's the latest thing? We were like, Robbie, you should go download TikTok because it's like the modern version of YTMND. And now <laughs> you're on TikTok more than any of us combined. <laughs> I'm bored more than any of you combined. I will tell you that I'm still, TikTok. I still don't think I'm even really enjoying TikTok. I just open it and then just keep swiping and seeing things and then don't stop. And at no point do I think I'm actually like, yeah, I'm having a great time. I just keep doing it. I mean, that's life though, right? I mean, yeah, like... no, it's a perfect, <laughs> perfect description of life. Yes, absolutely. I'll watch Hill House when y'all watch Venture Brothers. Okay. Well, I actually Universal... want to watch Venture Brothers. Yeah, the so... problem is I know you're going to like Venture Brothers. So <laughs> uh, Tell Universal to build a Venture Bros house. I will. Then... <laughs> I've been doing it for years. Uh-huh. <laughs> Write them one more letter, Robbie. Okay. Hey, speaking of writing people letters... You could write us a letter, um, and you could also support us M. to another level by joining our Patreon. That wasn't my worst segue, but I'm, I'm not getting to Eduardo levels of good segue yet. Patreon.com slash assembly required is where you can support us. All levels of support, patronage, if you will, will get you access to our patron-exclusive Discord, where we have community nights, hopefully a spooky one coming up soon. It sounds like some people are interested in that direct access to talk to us there's fun memes in there everybody loves memes so yeah patreon.com slash assembly required go there it's it's what non-party poopers do there's a good segue hey chris hey speaking of you not being here last time Uh uh-huh did you have any thoughts on that episode i know we that was longer one yeah i feel like that was one of our quicker podcasts and i think overall we kind of I wouldn't say we felt meh about it because I think overall we gave it good ratings, but I'm kind of like now that that week has passed, I'm just not really caring much about what I watched. Backstory, first of all, is that I didn't watch that episode until this new one came out because I was on vacation when it came out. We were were down in Orlando seeing all of Mm y'all and we got home and we weren't able to watch it until Wednesday um, from when we got home. So we watched it back to back with this episode, Party Thor, that we're about to talk about. And I've only watched the Killmonger one once and it was fine. I liked it. It might be my least favorite of the episodes, which is not me saying that it was a bad episode. Uh, It had some cool ideas going on. I loved the music, but that Killmonger theme is just great. But yeah, I don't really have any strong thoughts about it. I, I probably have to watch it again to really formulate any anything interesting to say about it. But you know, it, it was fine. It, it was a it was a cool twist, but 
overall not not really one of my favorite episodes, but not bad either. I don't think Fair there's enough. been a bad episode of this show yet. Well, uh, we had Detective Fury, but <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know that we disagree on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Robbie, what's what's your what are you throwing no, your, I was gonna your say, hands up in the air saying Ao? That is the one the one He's episode I thought was bad. Oh, I just okay. wanted to back you up on it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because um, we've had a lot. This is going to be, I think, an interesting episode, and and maybe it'll be one of our shorter ones. I'm saying that to to you. You say the that audience. now, and in three hours when yeah. we wrap up. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> just so you listeners know, every time we have some content that we're putting out a podcast for, and we we think like. Oh, there won't be that much to discuss this time. We pretty much like double or triple our estimate. So hold on to your butts. Yeah, cause... like our 20 minute uh, trailer breakdown. Remember that, Robbie? Right. It's just two of us. It's just a trailer. It will take more than half an hour. And about two hours later. OK, bye, everybody. I mean, I, I think this could be the one, though, because yeah. listen, all of these other what if episodes, uh, no, maybe not all of them. Most of them were like very serious. And even though they were 30 minute shorts, like there was a lot of like serious content to digest. And this one was just like a fun episode of Looney Tunes. So I think we can get through this, uh, right? Like <laughs> we can do this, right? Yeah. I, I believe so. in us. So let's, especially let's... because it feels like all of us basically have the same thing to say. So, <laughs> right. So let's uh, let's let's everybody at home start your timers. We're gonna do the speed run. We're not gonna rush, but you know this is gonna be the speed run. The what? What if percentage? Speed run. Uh, any percent. Okay. It's just one episode. Yeah. Okay. So any percent. What if episode seven? What if Thor were an only child? Do we know who wrote and directed this one? It's been so I've stopped putting that because it's been yeah, the same been. people every time. Brian okay. Andrews directed it. And okay. the same person that wrote every other episode wrote this episode. AC Bradley? AC yes, Bradley, yes. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Which, by the way, real quick, I think it's very interesting. We're talking about, and I know we're going to talk about it on this episode, how all of these episodes end up being different. And the fact that it's the same creative group making a bunch of fairly different episodes, I think is really interesting. Like, that shows some, um, I don't know, some talent. I agree with you. I would also maybe be that asshole that puts the asterisk on it that says they have like 90% of a concept for every episode already. Yeah. Because it's like a riff on what already happened. Yeah, that's true. But I agree with you. I just think maybe not as much. So this one starts, we're in the New Mexican desert and we have Darcy Lewis and Jane Foster researching in a van. They become heavily alerted to an anomaly in the solar system. Ooh, we've seen this before. Jane attempts to call S.H.I.E.L.D. to alert them, believing that it's an alien invasion. And she explains that the last time this anomaly was identified, an entire star collapsed. Is that, was that something that happened? Or is that new to this story? I don't remember that. Well, so I don't think it was discussed in the original Thor film, because I don't think, I think the sequence of events that's happening in this episode is a different Set of yeah, things. I don't think this is necessarily okay. at the same time as Thor. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe with the Odin sleep it might be, but okay. right. I think it's supposed to be at roughly the same time, but not the exact sequence of events. Yeah, it's... because because okay. um, they're not with Doctor Selvig, but they know Selvig because they call him later. But they're not working with him. Sure. Okay. So no, I wasn't but... sure if this was a scene that I forgot or not. I mean, they've been in the van before. Like they've yeah. they've definitely been he- chilling in the van watching radar before, you know, like if yeah. you're a cast member at a silly boat ride and there's one 
drop of water in the atmosphere. You're mm-hmm. staring at the radar, but um, wow, that was the innest joke. Um, <laughs> but okay, wasn't sure. Overhead, as this is happening, the Bifrost appears and flies to a Vegas Strip. A Vegas Strip. The Vegas Strip. I cannot put A and The in the right order on this podcast. Where Thor, Lady Sif, and the Warriors 3 appear, telling the citizens of Earth that their dull lives are about to come to an end. Because the Prince of Asgard is here to party! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my Slurms McKenzie. <laughs> that was a really good subversion um for a second i was actually i actually thought that thor was going to be a danger was actually invading earth once he said the word your dull lives have come to an end i'm like okay i know where they're going with this uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it was very Wibby wham wham wazzle midgardians <laughs> <laughs> i can't stop partying <laughs> the watcher tells us more than battles won and lost it's relationships that define and shape a hero you know what i find uh interesting is the thing that we say every week, that the Watcher is now more animated and more in color. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. we go. Got it out of the way. He explains in this universe, rather than taking and adopting Loki, Odin did the one good thing that Odin has ever done and returned the future villain to the Frost Giants of Jotunheim, meaning this Thor grew up without a brother. I would like to posit that the actual what if is, what if Loki were not a runt? (laughs) So, yeah... I was wondering if I was remembering things incorrectly. Wasn't Loki abandoned and Odin decided to take him as a trophy, but also not leave him to die? Like, wasn't that yeah. what was actually happening? There was a tiny bit of mercy in Odin taking Loki. Yes. He screwed up everything mm-hmm. past that, and it was also still kidnapping. Uh, but if he'd been abandoned, then it could be construed as a rescue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this Loki obviously grew up into a full-size frost giant. So I think what happened was that Maybe he found him and was like, hey, here's your baby back. It looks like a perfectly healthy young frost giant. And Yeah. Um, well, what's his name? What Luffy was like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. He's kind of like those, uh, like when you see those watermelon farmers that put the watermelon in a square and it grows into a perfect square. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That, that We got the square watermelon version in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And this is the fully grown watermelon Loki. Watermelon Loki. Or goldfish. What goes on in my brain? Oh, yeah, goldfish do that, too. Yeah, did you know it is... uh, I'm getting on a soapbox here. (laughs) You need a large tank for goldfish. Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you you have too small of a tank, like just a fishbowl, that the goldfish's body will not stop growing, but its Mm -hmm. organs will, so it will die. Mm -hmm. Uh, Goldfish need a lot more space than you think. Yes. PSA to all you future goldfish owners out there. Yeah. Don't fuck up or Sound Lord will come for you. There yeah. are many reasons to get better fish than goldfish. That's just one of them. Uh, yeah. Piranha. I, I worked in a pet store for a little while and I hated every second of it. But one thing I took away from it was how not to kill goldfish. <laughs> Jot that down. Yeah. <laughs> in the present, Odin drifts into the Odin sleep, which is still a hilarious thing to call Odin sleeping. And Frigga takes this as an opportunity to vacation with her sisters and leave Thor in charge warning him to study and not throw any parties. Nothing could possibly go wrong here. As soon as Frigga's gone, though, Thor decides to hold a party. On Thor's the most... party, parentheses, come get it. Right. <laughs> on the, quote, most backwards backwater realm, unquote, thinking not even Heimdall will pay attention, and alerts all the realms of the coming party on Earth. I mean, he's not wrong. I haven't been to other realms, but I don't think he's wrong. 
Jane and Darcy arrive at the massive party, overrun with beings from across the galaxy, and Jane decides to confront Thor about the collapse of the other star. There's a lot of characters in this episode. I I don't have anything yeah like crazy to add other than saying that, but there's I am sure if we paused on any given scene mm-hmm. with a bunch of bodies, we would uh-huh. find even more people than we think. Yeah. I came prepared with a few to blurt out. Yeah, um, I do it. Obviously not in the background. This is the best use of Howard the Duck yet. Uh, uh-huh. I was <laughs> cackling like a child when he first showed up, completely unprepared that his arc in this movie was going to be Mary's Darcy Lewis. That what was fantastic. Duck. Also, for some yeah. reason, for the first time ever, I could definitely tell, oh yeah, that's Seth Green. I know it's always been Seth Green, but it's never sounded like Seth Green to me until this time. I'm like, yes, this is a robot chicken character. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We've got, oh, the Grandmaster is used brilliantly. The 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 Release the foam. <laughs> fantastic. And then his last shot is stealing an ECV. <laughs> We're keeping scoot. the scoot scoots. Beep, beep. Gotta run. Keep it the scoot scoots. <laughs> I just, just fantastic. Um, what do I always say, Topaz? I like cake. We have we <laughs> got strange one- <laughs> thing to always say. Right. I for some reason that scene just flew by me on first watch, and then my second watch is like, that's our cutaway joke. Our cutaway joke is the grandmaster enjoying cake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, this this episode's ridiculous, but like in the best way. Mm-hmm. Very grandmaster of yeah. grandmaster. Yes. We used Nebula again. I always loved Nebula. I uh-huh. loved that. The conceit of this episode is, at its core, this episode is just a teenager's house party going out of control. That's all this episode is. And then they spin the tropes of that in MCU galactic story ways, like Nebula saying, I think I hear my dad calling. My dad calling. Which is is a good teenage house party trope, is funny in that moment, and also... Has much bigger meaning because we it's funny obviously because right, it's Thanos. Right, we obviously know who her dad is, <laughs> and like, we know that's the messed up version of Thanos because she has mostly robotic parts. Yeah, right. Mama needs a new eyeball. <laughs> we get great Korg moments. We get great. Um, okay, Korg has two words in this entire episode, mm-hmm. and they brought in Taika Waititi right to to say ball cannons. Well, Samuel L. Jackson has. Cannons. Samuel L. Jackson uh-huh. has one scene. They brought in Samuel L. Jackson. It, yeah, was... again, yeah. Spicoli. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, uh, my gosh. Um, also, speaking of Taika Waititi, that guy, the one human is wearing the pineapple shirt that Taika Waititi is famous for. Mm-hmm. That Korg mm. wore in Endgame. Well, so I don't know if he's supposed to be Taika to be... or not. It yeah, that's be. what I was just going to say. I How wonder. many lines does Sif have? Because they brought in Jamie Alexander. Like I, I... I think two. I mean, yeah. granted, most of these characters were in other episodes as well, so they could also say, hey, we'll record this line as well for a different episode. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so hey, it's not I... that big of a deal, but it's still fun. As far as your scene go, I'm going to set the scene for you. Um, you're at a party. Go. Do the line. Yeah. Yeah. I... Ball cannon. Man, okay, who else am I... I got a list. Who else am I forgetting? Soundlord, what are some other characters? Mantis show? was there. Oh, yeah, we saw yes. Mantis. We saw mm-hmm. Yondu and Drax. Surter, <laughs> we've got Surter. We've got fantastic. giant Surter. Why is Surter giant? What's going on here? Why is Surter giant? Well, he was giant in the movie too. Well, not until he was Ragnarokked, right? No, he or was, was he already in, giant. Oh, okay, he, he was giant in the first scene. Okay. This is my crown. Got it. Oh, and okay. his line about we both have crowns, we both like fire. Right, <laughs> and, the then, of and then and then and then brown again. I should probably also yeah, I should probably explain that, listeners. You should know that last week. I went through some shit. 
where I was watching a live action production of a SpongeBob scene. And as I'm watching this live action production of a SpongeBob scene, Clancy Brown is in it. I'm like, that's interesting. They just got some actors to like uh, lip sync to a SpongeBob scene. And as I'm watching, I'm like, but wait, that's the guy that does Squidward. And that is the guy that does SpongeBob. And then like, I had this realization moment that there was something I didn't know. And I immediately went, I immediately Googled SpongeBob SquarePants. And the third result for SpongeBob SquarePants is the voice actors for SpongeBob SquarePants. And the third voice actor for SpongeBob SquarePants was Clancy Brown, Mr. Krabs. I have gone the entire lifetime of SpongeBob SquarePants without knowing that Clancy Brown was how Mr. Much, Krabs. How much SpongeBob do you watch, though? I don't watch a ton, but enough that I should. It's been around for twenty plus years. Right, right. Yeah. that's the thing. Even if I had never oh, watched God. it, I feel like it's a thing I would know. I would know I that. Wish I wish you would have unsaid that. I'm sorry. Ugh. Yeah, when I realized how old SpongeBob is and how it's right. still like, it makes me feel very old because right. I remember when it was brand new. I'm not really part of the SpongeBob yeah. army, but I've watched plenty of episodes, and I, I think even if I hadn't watched it, this is something I should have known. Mm-hmm. I on lost me. my mind on this. Not only that, but then I tweeted about it and then got a billion people like messaging me or talking to me in person about how could you not know that? So so anyway, circle back to this episode, Surter shows up and I'm like, oh, is it Clancy Brown? And it's like, yeah, it is Clancy Brown because it sounds kind of like Mr. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Surter hitting on the Statue of Liberty. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the big one there's is- there's more. Yes. Oh, Absolutely. He wasn't um, at the party, but it was weird that Brock Rumlow was like the right yes. hand of Maria Hill. Yeah. No, it's not weird. You'll get to why that's not weird later. I mean, I know, but <laughs> it is weird, but it's not weird. Spoiler alert for several minutes in the future of this episode. <laughs> several. Robbie, you you mentioned that the subtitles ruined a cameo for you. Is it, was that Brock, it was Brock Rumlow. Yes. Because oh, I watched okay. with subtitles this morning, and the first time he speaks, it now says, man. Oh. So someone someone got to them because I noticed that actually when Thor first appears, it says man as well. Not that it was a crazy, mm. like, uh, like the episode wasn't ruined because I knew two seconds before I see Brock Romo's face that Brock Romo's face was going to be in it. But uh-huh. it was just Do interesting to me. plan on talking about, while we're just talking about all these characters, does anyone plan on talking about the voice acting? I was going to find a way to bring it up. It can be yeah. here. Okay, I'm going to bring it up Since I was just here. talking about Clancy Brown's voice acting. I- I feel like I am always the one that has the opposite opinion of the voice acting somehow, which makes me think my ears are busted. (laughs) But in this episode in particular, I felt there was more bad than good. I, Hmm. after the episode was over, I was shocked to see, yes, pun intended, that Chris Hemsworth was Thor's voice. Really? I was shocked that Natalie Portman was I was too. Absolutely did not believe it was Natalie Portman. I I was just surprised because when we're watching, Angela goes, wow, did they really get Natalie Portman? And I honestly couldn't tell. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was fine, but like I couldn't tell. Uh, I was like, I just assumed that they would get, you know, whoever plays Padme in the Clone Wars cartoons, but Mm -hmm. but no, they got Natalie Portman. And I would never, I would never say anything to hurt her, but also (laughs) I found her voice acting in this a little like maybe over the top which is darcy thing but i think she was playing yeah. to the cartooniness yeah. of this episode i i thought she and hemsworth were fine see that's i agree with that because i think both cat dennings and hemsworth i think we're doing a great job being cartoon versions like uh-huh. the, the the uh warner brothers versions of themselves yeah hmm. but 
like I, I don't actually know. do agree with you on a lot of the voice acting. Like I did not think Maria Hill, um, Colby. Yes, Colby Smolders. I don't think she did a great job. I don't think I. Oh man, this feels weird. I don't I, think Natalie. I Port- honestly thought they were fine. Interesting. I didn't think Natalie Portman did a great job, which is weird to say. Um, but again, like Angela says correctly, voice acting is different from acting. I don't so, know. Yeah. Something about the way that, you know how Thor has that like Shakespearean kind yes. of, even with the newer version of Thor, he has that like, that like low Shakespearean like droll to his voice a little bit. Like I felt like it was so overplayed in this episode. And maybe that's mm-hmm. because this is a Thor from before he got non-Shakespearean, like more non-Shakespearean. I almost felt it was so overdone that I was like, that can't be Chris Hemsworth. He doesn't talk like that anymore. Interesting. But, you know, different timelines. I don't know. It kind of threw me off. Also, while we're at this point in the show, this episode dropped a bunch of double entendre. Like, the first time it happened, I'm like, wait, did they mean that the way they, I think they meant it? And then, yeah. like, the, the um, I do bring the thunder. Like Just like <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons used to do that went yes. over our heads so that our parents could be entertained by something. These are not the hammer. <laughs> the hammer. No fingerprints. I don't think so. Yeah. Oh. Hey, so what Good was night, happening everybody. in this episode? <laughs> uh, Thor confront. No, Jane conf- confronts Thor. That's what was happening. Thor doesn't take Jane's questioning seriously, though, and is immediately smitten with her, as is Foster in return. She drops her concerns over the fate of the Earth to join the party. And Darcy goes out for drinks with Howard the Duck. She, I like that she claims that it's not a date, and then they end up getting Vegas mm-hmm. married. <laughs> um, after a wild night of partying with Grandmaster, Drax, Korg, Nebula, etc., ending with Darcy's wedding to Howard the Duck, Jane is woken up in a trashed hotel room by the arrival of Brock Rumlow and Maria Hill of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hill is currently the acting director. After Nick Fury was accidentally yeeted by Korg, while confronting Thor and has decided to talk to Foster about her phone calls re- regarding the anomaly. Real quick on that. I fully embrace that this is a cartoon episode not to be taken seriously. <laughs> but Nick Fury is just deciding, yeah, I'm just going to show up in person and yell at the uh, the scary space alien from a distance. Patently ridiculous that that's what Nick Fury would do. But that's fine. Go off cartoon. That's a very dad thing to do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just show up at right. the party, which is yeah. why they did it. It works perfectly in, <laughs> or like, or more like the um, the cranky neighbor from a teen, from a teenage uh, party movie. Like that's yeah. kind of what Nick Fury uh, is yeah. playing here, and it's it's done perfectly. I just think it is mainline Nick Fury is not just showing up without a plan to yell at Thor in this situation. Colson then gives. I actually, this is probably one of my favorite lines in this episode. Colson caught it the second time, yeah. but absolutely. <laughs> Colson gives the dire warning that the party atmosphere is spreading across the world. That was, the, that was maybe my favorite line. See, this oh. made me go back to the, the other What If episode with Colson where he was being like too weird. The, the Detective Fury one where he was being like almost too funny and too weird. This is the amount of humor and the delivery of humor I want from Colson. Playing it 100% straight that the party atmosphere is a threat. And it fits the tone of this episode. It's not jarring the way it is. Look at these two bodies. His hair smells good. Right. (laughs) I I love that line. That was hilarious. (laughs) Jane is still smitten, so she tries to cover for Thor. And Hill calls in her last resort. Oh, no. Sounds very final. And activates the Captain Marvel beeper. You know, Darcy's uh, dad is a podiatrist and has that. 
Wait, are you calling a podiatrist? <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed when, she, when Hill is like, it's done. And she's like, what's done? Is it happening? Did I miss it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in Perry, Loki and a gang of frost giants arrive. And after some playful mockery, we see in this timeline that Thor and Loki are as close as actual brothers. That was fun. I liked that. That was that was a little heartwarming. Yeah, that right? was yeah, really, that was a fun twist. Having the relation, a positive relationship between Thor and Loki was really fun to see. And I know we already touched on this, so we don't have to get into a detail about it. Um, but I like that this is a frost giant Loki um, for a just a different set of paint on a character we already know, but also because we saw frost giant Loki in Loki as a variant in that little hologram, there was a frost giant Loki, right? Here's what one would look like compared to like the height and stature of everybody Mm -hmm. else. Cool. He's playing along while they catch up. Carol Danvers shows up and tells Thor to leave earth. What a party pooper. Thor resists beginning a massive fight between he and captain Marvel bringing them across the globe and resulting in the toppling of Stonehenge. And I I said this earlier, so sorry for taking this line from you, Chris, but this is Looney Tunes, right? Oh, it absolutely is. I can't show the listeners, but I have in my notes that I wrote when I was watching the first episode that, so how did I write it? Um, This is basically, this is, Marvel does the damn Looney Tunes. So I think we all said Looney Tunes individually, which is... (laughs) Funny, like Looney Tunes. Chris, how are they tiny and toony and all a little loony? Uh, well, in this cartoony, they were invading <laughs> Earth. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, there's just so much about this. Like, we've already said before, this was a cartoon episode. Like, this has been an animated show the whole time. This is the first time it's been a cartoon. If you look at a cartoon as like perhaps a genre as opposed to a medium, it was over the top slapstick violence. The characters were all exaggerated versions of themselves. They just, I, I thought specifically of Looney Tunes a couple times, whatever they showed the globe and you could see that the countries were labeled, that just made me laugh so much. And also I thought that the, uh, specifically when uh, Captain Marvel knocks Thor into the desert the desert background looks so much like a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon. Yes, uh, and then like the smoke cloud. I think Peaches, you pointed this out before the before we started recording. That little mushroom cloud of smoke was very Wiley e. Coyote, mm-hmm. and that I said this before we started recording. But the Roadrunner cartoons are my favorite Looney Tunes, so seeing a little homage to that made me very happy. I'm realizing now that you are saying that again, but this time for the listeners. That I never told you, like we started talking about Shang-Chi, and I didn't tell you what what that reminded me of. So there's a preview for a new Jackass movie uh, as one of the previews before Shang-Chi for some reason. And there's a moment where I think it's Steve-O is like riding a moped and it looks like he's about to go off a bike ramp in a moped. But somebody put basically a Wile E. Coyote like scene on a wall and he drives right into the wall. (laughs) (laughs) and that was like i don't know i kind of wanted something like that in this episode i'm not like over here shitting on this episode because it was fun but i think that would have been another fun if they like ran into a wall somehow i don't know like a like a train hole you know like a yeah right right (laughs) captain marvel really quickly paints a tunnel on the on the (laughs) i would oh man i would have paint and just i would have been all over that happening i would have been all over that so sorry to interrupt you there 
No, no, no. Uh, I don't know if you had more more to go off on, Chris, because I, I, it's funny. This was the big thing I wanted to talk about with the episode too, and we yeah. kind of sprinkled it throughout. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Looney Tunes is what I thought when I was watching this, and I will actually say, almost more specifically, almost like the '90s Sy- uh, Spielberg uh, Warner Brothers cartoons, maybe more than traditional Looney Tunes, like almost more Tiny Tunes or Animaniacs. But yeah, like in this scene, we have the slapstick. We have the Stonehenge scene, which is like something straight out of a classic cartoon. Like you don't actually just go over and tip over Stonehenge. That's not how Stonehenge works. Yeah, but it dominoes. works like right. But it works, <laughs> works like that in a cartoon. And 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 then Carol taking that seriously and being upset about it. The moment that really hit me that okay, they have fully embraced that this is a cartoon episode of this cartoon was actually when Carol was flying. And you see the map of France, and it says France. That is a very, very, very like Tex Avery or or Looney Tunes style uh-huh. cartoon uh, trope is the putting the name on the map. Like it was awesome, and it, it shows me that moment shows me that not only are they making this funny, but they are referencing a genre as well. Like they are specifically on purpose trying to be those cartoons as well. Like they, mm-hmm. they clearly kind of, I don't know if they studied by watching cartoons their whole life or if they studied by cramming before writing this episode, but they clearly knew what they were doing and the tropes they were pulling out on purpose in here. My hunch is that if these people got into animation, they've grown yes, up watching right. cartoons. That, that's my actual guess, but they knew they were not, they were hitting the genre notes just right. And then, then how it ends with the study session and the, the, the montage of everyone fixing things real quick while while it's cutting back and forth between someone angrily coming in like that's uh-huh. that's a that is a classic cartoon trope everything gets of- fixed like like this and right. then yes, thor exactly. is like scrubbing the graffiti for like four frames <laughs> or right. four and extra they, scenes they, right they fix it in f- weird ways like surter welding the uh, statue of liberty's arm back on and then another shot of determined frigga coming in and Thor straightening out the Leaning Tower. <laughs> right, 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 right. Which, I feel so like that's, that's happened a, in cartoons so many times. I'm certain uh, when they pull out the Leaning Tower of Pisa, I'm certain they didn't, they were like, well, these, when this happens, you always got to fix the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So we'll, we'll do mm-hmm. that too. That happens in, I believe, Superman 3. Uh, someone pointed out that there might have been a direct reference to that. It might not have been. It might have just been a funny gag. Yeah, that but, it, it might have been. And then, man, there was one other one. Oh, and then in the end, what actually undoes Captain Marvel, this massive fight between Thor, the God of Thunder, and Captain Marvel, what actually basically ends the fight is people call her a party pooper, and she goes back to sulk. Like, (laughs) it's it's just, it's so fantastic, and it's ridiculous. And this is not what I want the MCU to be like, but this is absolutely what I'm okay with an episode of a cartoon show about the MCU being like. This is... This was fantastic. This was just, it wasn't serious. It was fun. It was right in the vibe of something I love, using characters I love. It was, this was great. I, I, I couldn't get over when I realized what they were doing and that this was just going to be really fun. It was a, a cool moment. Nice. That's all I got right there. I was going to say what happens next and you like basically quoted the show notes. So Hey, Carol goes back to Sulk because she gets called a party pooper. Hey, Robbie. <laughs> Wait, I needed you to read that full line. That line was oh, I'm so, so 
Okay, like rewind the play that... five minutes. The two, the true trade vicious blows, eventually ending with Thor using Mjolnir to pin Carol and encouraging the crowd to mock her for being a party pooper, which she takes. Okay, yeah, which she takes very seriously and sulks back to the very cool helicarrier. <laughs> that line was written. That line was written for someone else, but that's fine. I, I know. <laughs> He'll hear it. it. Yeah, no, it's for him. I liked it. Hey, Robbie. Uh, you have something here that says Robbie question Mjolnir physics, and I oh, would good. Like I was actually about to bring that up, so, so I'm glad. Yeah. Again, listener, don't take this episode too seriously. I'm going to take this episode too seriously now. So, okay, Thor is obviously not worthy here, right? He's wielding the hammers, flying around, throwing Mjolnir. How's that working? He's not. He's not worthy. Well, he hasn't been banished yet, and if you remember Thor, Odin writes the words of the worthiness. Uh, rule on Mjolnir when he banishes Thor to uh, Midgard, which does not happen here. So that's fine. In which case, how does Mjolnir pin Captain Marvel in place? She is obviously strong enough to wield the hammer. The only reason it wouldn't move is because she's not worthy to move it, which first off, I'll bet she is, but, but regardless. But that worthiness phrase isn't here yet. So uh, am I missing that that's just a mistake that shouldn't be taken too seriously? Um, it's either that, or we can say that the original enchantment on Mjolnir before the banishment was not whoever holds it should have the power of Thor, but that only Thor can hold it. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I don't need to need to to investigate this too thoroughly, but there was definitely a moment, and it it kind of came up as I was watching it because at one point as I'm watching the fight, I'm like, wait a second, he's not worthy. Oh wait, that doesn't matter yet. And then like immediately after I have that thought, he uses the hammer to pin Captain Marvel's. Like wait, but she should be able to move it. Yeah, Chris, I think your explanation works the best there, right? And that was the case in the film too, right? Was that he he had he was the only one that could wield it until he was banished? Mm-hmm. I don't okay. think uh, know I that it ever even he, came up. Yeah, I don't remember if he actually pins anyone down like in that first fight. Yeah. On Jotunheim. Yeah, I don't think he does. I think he's just mostly slinging slinging hams. <laughs> And you call them slinged hams, despite the fact that they're obviously hammers. <laughs> uh, that might have been my best joke of 2020. Okay. <laughs> well, it's 2021, so... Perfect thunderstorm at God. this time of day, this Damn. time of year, located entirely within the kingdom of France. Why do you guys let me host? I clearly don't know how to use words. I mean, this is the same case when I stream, too. I just, like, I the pressure, I guess, I start spewing nonsense. Maybe for someone it's funny. Hill asks Danvers why she can't stop Thor if she's supposed to be so powerful. Gosh, shut up, Hill. And Carol says that she doesn't want to cause massive damage by using her full powers. Jane then gets a call from Thor. I'm not sure how she knows who it is because the caller ID doesn't work. Who convinces her that no one died in the destruction of the other star and her infatuation with him is reinforced. I, you know what? Actually, this point that I'm about to pass to you, Chris, is something I've seen a few people say. So I'm I'm curious to hear what you say about this because there there seems to be a pretty strong consensus consensus that this might be the best representation of Thor and Jane's love story. Um, or their yes. dynamic. What is it? A little bit of both, but mostly because it's a very low bar. <laughs> okay. Like, in Thor, I didn't find it believable. Like, when they kiss at the end and 
they're all, oh, we're going to miss each other when we're in our different realms. Like, it didn't really feel like it developed. Here, they had a bit of a more playful, fun relationship. And maybe it was just the fact that it was more fun to watch that is like, okay, I like this. Uh, because I never really bought it in the movies. And I think just because the foundation was so weak in Thor and that it carried over into the dark world that they oh, they're, you know, they love each other so much and they're so obsessed with each other and they've spent a few hours together. Yeah, they spent a few hours together in this one too. And it was very much a fling. And, you know, they had crushes on each other. And it ends with him asking her on a proper date. And it was like, okay. I can actually see this going somewhere, which is not really a feeling I ever got in the movies. So, so that's, that's why I say that I'm not saying, Oh, this is such a great romance, but okay. it feels a lot more believable that it's infatuation to fling to, okay, well let's see where this goes. This could actually, actually be good. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I it's, agree a, with that. it's a completely believable start to a relationship. Like I have known girls who fell for a, you know, a party guy they found fun and attractive. Like, that's a thing that happens. The guy straightening up to impress the girl, asking on a proper date when he realizes, you know, he needs to, to, to clean up his act. Like, I'm not saying that in this episode we've seen the beginnings, like you've seen everything you need to know about knowing this relationship is going to be strong and perfect. But it's completely a believable start to a relationship in any every way whatsoever. Um, and then the seeds for it to continue to be to grow and be strong are there a little bit more than they are in the MCU films. Because in the MCU films, what the Bifrost break, Bifrost breaks. So he's not going to see her for years. Um, then he goes and does other things. Like he's repeatedly only seeing Jane for like a couple hours every few years. That's not. I'm not really going to pick too much on the Thor and Jane relationship. But here it is a much more doable relationship, if that makes sense. So I agree with that take. I do. I do have a semantics question though, because I'm wondering when eight is. Like when uh, eight o'clock when she's supposed to be picked up. Are we talking about New Mexico time? Are we talking about Odin time, which I assume is what they call time in Asgard, since it's just Odin whatever thing. When is she getting picked up? That's all I want to know. Well, now he has an iPad, and now that iPad is going to (laughs) automatically adjust for um, you know local time. That said. A magic box, yeah. Having spent a lot of time in the New Mexican desert, he's not going to have any reception. Oh, damn. Well, I guess it won't work out. At nope, this the point, watcher said it does. <laughs> it's true. At this point, they're trying to figure out how they can uh, take care of Thor. Darcy suggests blowing up a Dakota because she's not even sure which one is which. Fanning. It's really kind of a dark suggestion. <laughs> I like that uh, that the response from Captain Marvel is South Dakota's the one on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Hill agrees, though, that they should move Thor to a remote location, which ends up being Siberia, where Captain Marvel can safely destroy the Asgardian. Horrified, though, Jane tries to warn her new fling, but Loki accidentally destroys the phone, just drops it from... 30 feet up. I don't know how tall he is. Frost giant height. Darcy quips that it would be nice if they could just call Thor's mom, as one does about a teenager whose party is out of control. And Jane realizes if there's a Thor and a Loki, there must be a Frigga and an Odin and a Heimdall. Heimdall who now what? Meanwhile, Surtur and the Frost Giants are just absolutely destroying popular landmarks and hitting on the Statue of Liberty. Good for you, Surtur. 
I mean, she is a she is a lady. Captain Marvel then intercepts Thor in uh, Sidon. Sidon. Where is Sidon? What, what do I not know about geography? Oh, is it supposed to be Siberia, and suppo- auto corrected to Prince Sidon from Zelda? no. It's supposed to be Sydney. <laughs> Sydney. Oh. <laughs> oh right, yeah, because he's at the Opera House. Yeah, uh, where uh, P. Sherman works. Yeah, P. Sherman forty. Yeah, and drags him to Siberia. Okay, while their second fight rages. <laughs> Jane uses a broadcast system whipped up by Darcy to call for Heimdall. He hears and uses the Bifrost to bring Jane to Frigga. Oh, this is the scene that's going to make me mad now. Okay, so now on the helicarrier, Director Hill plans to use nuclear warheads to destroy both Thor and Danvers as a precaution. While Jane explains to Frigga what well, Thor they said, a- They said that Danvers would be fine. I don't agree. But listen, man. Okay, I know that we haven't had a lot of Maria Hill. She was in Avengers. She's sprinkled in here and there. And, you know, I'm thinking back to the Avengers episode and I questioned like why she was so popular then, because I really, I really thought that she was just there to like be the parrot in the background to just repeat everything that Nick Fury said. And it wasn't doing Colby any favors. Like her character was just a boring parrot. And then I was reminded that Lindsay agreed with me in her email. And now we get her here as the acting director of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of Nick Fury's yeeting. And already she turns into the World Security Council or whatever they were called in Avengers. That is like nuke first, ask questions later. Why do we like Maria Hill? I don't understand. She like immediately is like, we're going to drop a fucking atom bomb on these two. We know barely anything about Thor. We're going to nuke him. We think maybe Carol Danvers will be okay, but you don't really know her either. You're calling her on a beeper because you know that Nick Fury said that you could as a last resort. And you just assume that a nuclear bomb is not going to kill this person. Like, I don't understand. Like, why is Maria Hill suddenly like agent of Hydra level of, I feel like this is more devious than it is helpful. Is that is that like out of left field? Is that nope. I don't I don't No, it's completely accurate, but I'm going to play devil's advocate anyway. Okay. So, we know that there was a subplot that was kind of edited out of Avengers, but it's it's not that it was removed entirely as though it's not a storyline. It's that they just decided not to to edit out the scenes that put it in there. But in the start of the film, you do see the glimpses of it and you see it towards the end as well where the Maria Hill in Avengers starts out being not really trusting Nick Fury, wanting him to go along with the whims of the World Security Council, thinking that they're correct, they're in charge, and is convinced of Fury's, you know, right-headedness through the course of Avengers, a film that has not had a storyline that has not happened yet in this universe. So this Maria Hill, it would stand to reason is a bit more of a World Security Council stooge than a Nick Fury stooge. Um, sorry to call you a stooge, Maria. That Deadpool's advocating is okay with me because I forgot about that, but I still think she right. sucks. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. For the record, I'm explaining why she sucks, not saying okay. that she doesn't suck. Um, and I, I don't even know if that's what they were thinking. I may just be accidentally explaining their character for them. I don't know. I mean, and we see in Avengers, the World Security Council wants to nuke Brooklyn, and or I guess Manhattan, but... And Nick Fury tries to stop that. I think that Maria Hill pre-Avengers probably would not try to stop that. And so she sucks. I don't like her character in this. 
but I do think that her character makes sense through that lens. Does that make sense it, through my lens? It does. And I, but I just, I just want to, one more thing. I just want to drill home the like, why do we stand Maria Hill? Is it just because Wait, there's a do lot we of. stand Maria Hill? I don't mean we, I mean the, the royal we. Like, no, no, I it, know what you mean. Is Are there Maria Hill stands? There, listen, there are a lot of people that like think she's a badass. And I think it's because of they Winter liked Soldier? Colby in How I Met Your Mother. And they're like, well, oh. we liked her character in that show. So we have to like her in this one. No, you don't. I liked her in Winter Soldier. I will say, yeah, say, yeah was I was going to say Winter Soldier. I think she was fine. But, but she's. I have listen, to. What, I, why I, would. Why would. She's about to push the button on this warhead, right? And then they see a projection of one other human. Mm-hmm. And Frigga's probably not really classified as a human, but they see what looks like a human, and that's what stops her from pushing the button. Like, she was about to nuke a random stranger and an alien stranger. And she's like, oh, well, there's a projection there now. What, <laughs> what are her standards? <laughs> I don't understand what they are. Yes, this is a cartoon and it's meant for gags. Yeah. I get it. But I just, I don't, I, I need more people on the, we should question our liking toward Maria Hill train. Yeah, I, so I guess I didn't know about that with Colby Smolders, but I believe you because there does seem to be, I, I guess, a recent trend of, I liked this thing this person was in and thus I will stand everything they were in. And it almost seems to be like this defense of, I like this actor in this bad movie. Thus the movie was not bad and his character was not bad. That seems yeah. to be something that I'm not over here saying you can't like Colby Smolder's work. I'm right. saying that exactly. she's a, she's a great actress and she yeah. acts the scenes that she's instructed right. to act well in these right. movies and in this voice acting, but yeah. that doesn't make her character good. That doesn't make the, Maria Hill good. Right. Fandom over individual celebrities and excusing any work they're in seems to be a more common trend these days. And I'm not sure I understand it. Yeah. And I have not seen it with Colby Smolders, but I do believe you that it happens. I remember, oh, uh, what was the, the, the last X-Men movie? So these are a bunch of characters and actors. I don't know. But the actress who plays Phoenix in that movie, a whole, oh, bunch, of Game people, of Thrones. A whole yeah. bunch of people were defending the movie because they liked her in Game of Thrones. And it had nothing to do with whether or not the movie was good. It was just, no, no, she was great in Game of Thrones. Thus, this movie is great. And it was one of the most mind-blowing things to me. And I was thinking back to like, Robin Williams was in Jack. No one said that Jack was good. And that didn't make Robin Williams bad. And I, I or Flubber. But that seems to be something we do now, which is, nope, I like, I like this actor and they were in that movie. So thus, the movie's good. That's not how it works. It doesn't make the character good. It doesn't make the writing good. It also does not make the actor bad when I say the writing was bad, the film was bad the show was bad so i believe you that that's a thing i just hadn't seen it yeah and if i'm going out on a limb here right now listener and you you disagree with me you can fire off an email to assembly required cast at gmail.com you can tell me why i'm wrong but i don't think i'm wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to my guns on this one speaking of guns um but slightly insanely more powerful just before rumlow is allowed to launch the warheads Frigga's Frigga, uh, astral projects, there we go, that's the phrase, to Thor and asks what he's doing on Midgard. Thor explains that he's been studying and Frigga says she'll be coming immediately to see this work. 
Oh boy, caught in the lie. Terrified, Thor asks the party crowd, now in Sydney, not Sidon, and turning to the St. Louis, Louis? Louis? Is it Louis? Arch into a slingshot for help. They all refuse and instead start to go home. Thor uses his god voice, <laughs> his god voice power, to warn them all that his mother is coming, and then they agree to help him clean up. I love that they are all so much more terrified of Frigga than they are of yes. Thor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, while Frigga bears down on Earth, Thor and the aliens fix all their damage. They also straighten the Leaning Tower of Pisa just in time to stage a study session when the Queen of Asgard lands. Carol even arrives at the last second to help reinforce Thor's story. I like that he still has the science tattoo mm-hmm. on his bicep and he's constantly facing that bicep toward Frigga. <laughs> like it's almost a playful like is she going to notice? I I don't think it has I don't think there's anything there that suggests he's trying to hide it. It's just funny that it's still there. Convinced Thor has learned his lesson, Frigga thanks Captain Marvel and takes her son home. I like that when he summons the hammer somehow it has underwear on it too. Mhm. Classic party stuff. <laughs> Underwear somewhere. It should right. not be. And, and there was some, party must have There happened. were like Mardi Gras beads on it too, right? Uh-huh, and graffiti. Mm-hmm. Sometime, which had to have happened somehow during the cleanup because he uses the hammer to fly into the sky to use his God voice power. And then the cleaning montage happened and then all those things are on the hammer. So I wonder if the hammer was like flying around doing work too. Mm-hmm. Sentient Mjolnir. Sometime later, Thor arrives to visit Jane and tells her he understands why she called his mom and asks her out on a date. The Watcher's voiceover tells us with the world restored, Thor and Jane lived happily ever after. Or did they? The Watcher himself is then startled by the arrival of Ultron, wielding the Infinity Stones with an army of centuries. I had to watch it a second time to notice the Infinity Stones because my eyes are also broken. As the Watcher says, he spoke too soon, and Ultron's mask lifts up to reveal the face of Vision, and the episode ends. Okay, this is fun. It's fun. It's also the strangest thing to appear at the end of this party fun time cartoon episode. Robbie, what is going on? First off... Ultron combined with Vision holding the Infinity Stones before the Avengers are assembled. Uh, I'm pretty sure this timeline's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um, I think, well, I'll let you talk first. Well, if if y'all's theory about how the finale of this season is going to combine these different storylines in a way, um, then maybe this is setting that up. I think if not, then I think we're just not supposed to take it too seriously i think they just felt we can't just leave it on a complete happy end note we need to put something in there and this is what they put in there and I'm, I'm i'm totally fine with that but i do have a question and that is in this timeline why does ultron exist why does vision exist who made them and why potentially he's using the time stone that he now has and coming back in time maybe thor was what stopped ultron much like in age of ultron well, partly, much like in Age of Ultron. And so he had to come back to stop Thor. Um, but also we know that, you know, the Tal mimery is not how baby Thanos works. So, but maybe Ultron doesn't know that. Maybe Ultron didn't have Hulk there to explain to him how time travel works and he's not going to change his reality. But regardless, I just, I don't know. It's not it's not going to hang me up. It's not going to really affect this episode at all for me. I'm just wondering how is Ultron here? 
And remember, we needed Thor to make Vision as well. I think we're going to find out in the next episode. You think so? I think so. I think that this Ultron is from another universe or another timeline. I can see that. And I think he's going around. uh, Now, my question is, do the Infinity Stones work differently here than they do in the comics? Because the Infinity Stones, I believe, only work in their native universes. Isn't that what uh, Loki or was it just they don't work at the TVA? They might not work at the TVA because it's outside the universe. Got it. Um, and maybe maybe they work in different universes within the Marvel multiverse. Because what I'm basing this on is the Justice League and Avengers crossover where Darkseid gets the Infinity Gauntlet. But because he's in the DC universe, the stones are powerless. Mm. Um, so it might be that they don't work in the DC because... The way the DC multiverse and the Marvel multiverse work in the comics is that they are actually separate multiverses that occasionally have combined or met up, but it's not like they're part of the same multiverse. It's a like multiverse over here, multiverse over here. Part of like an omniverse, I guess. Side note, have y'all ever read the Spider-Man Batman crossover with Venom and Carnage? Or not Venom and Carnage, Joker and Carnage? I've read parts of it. I, I don't think I've ever read the Yo, whole thing. Yo, Peach, go read that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like they bring... It is Spider-Man and Batman versus Joker and Carnage. Sounds fun. It right? is. <laughs> yes, it is fun. Sounds toit. But, yeah, I'm with, uh, I'm with yeah. Chris on this one. Sorry, keep going. I was just going to yeah. agree with you. Yeah, so, so maybe there's a chance that the Infinity Stones will work in other Marvel universes. I don't know if that's ever actually been explored in the comics like... Let's say that the reality stone from the 616 universe went into the ultimate universe. Would it work there? I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, may- maybe it does. Or maybe maybe the rules are a little bit different depending on the universe. We, you, know, right. you can always hand wave it. But the important thing is I think that this Ultron Vision Infinity Gauntlet beast, whatever it is. First of all, it's Vision because Vision was originally supposed to be Ultron's new body. Anyway. That's right. Okay. Yep. You're right. I didn't think about that. You're completely yeah, correct. So mm-hmm. in this universe, Ultron was able to finish Vision and also gather up all the Infinity Stones. And we have to remember that Ultron is based on the Mind Stone. So he would probably have knowledge of these other Infinity Stones right. as well and would know to seek them out. Side note to that, I do like that it's a very comic booky Ultron look. Like It looked like Ultron uh-huh. from the pages. I did really like that. This is a good segue, actually, like halfway through this point and into what we normally start the like conclusion of the episode mm-hmm. with is, you know, how do we wh- how do we think this is going to affect what happens in the future? And we've been saying on several episodes that we would like this to somehow become like a like a one story arc with all these separate stories. And Chris, you just said that you think next episode will be the one that they put it all together. I like keep thinking that the next episode will be the one where they start putting it all together and then I'm wrong. So like, I want to agree with you, but I don't want to get hurt again. Yeah, I uh, what I think my, my prediction for the last two episodes is the next episode will be what if Ultron were the Infinity Gauntlet. Or, or were the Infinity Gauntlet. Or something Ooh. like that. Or what if Ultron got the Infinity Stones. Something mm. like that. And then the last episode, because there's only two episodes left, right? I think so. I think it's a nine-episode season. And I think the last episode will be, what if the Watcher broke his vow and interfered and put together the Exiles, put together a team from the Multiverse that he's watched, where he gets Captain Carter, he gets uh, Strange Supreme, he gets T'Challa Star-Lord, he gets Party Thor, he gets 
all the heroes from these episodes and puts them together as a team. That's... And uses them because Ultron Infinity Gauntlet Vision Monster is a threat to the existence of the multiverse and the Watcher's like, screw it, I'm getting involved. Because I've been waiting for the Watcher to get involved. Because he always does. No matter how much he says he does it, he always does in the end. I was actually going to ask, because I know the two of you spent a few episodes of this podcast talking about your theory about the Watcher becoming more and more present in the story and more and more. And I was wondering if the moment where he's surprised by the end, if you think that was significant to where Mm -hmm. this potential storyline is going or if it was just like a fun way to use the watcher at the end which and of course it can be both but yeah i think that the fact that he was surprised that ultron showed up and something that he was and i think it's because it's something from one universe crossing into another universe that's not something he's anticipated because that hasn't happened yet Hmm. in in any other story the multiverse has existed but aside from the the various Kangs getting to know each other in the year 3000 or whatever it was, there has not been a crossover of multiverse. So the fact that there's a multiversal crossover event happening in, you know, 2010 or whenever this is supposed to be taking place is a surprise to the Watcher. And I think that's what's going to make him say, I need to get involved to protect these multiverses, like all these different universes. Like He doesn't want to see them go because I think he enjoys watching them. So he doesn't want something to, you know, one universe being destroyed is, is a, a simple tragedy. That's a story. That's Dr. Strange learning a lesson, but all the universe is getting destroyed. That's something the Watcher's not going to stand by and let happen. Right. A couple thoughts I have are, I know I saw that the last episode is supposed to have Ultron. So I think that makes it pretty likely. One thing I think is very interesting is usually we have more information about the next episode than we do about episode eight. There's like, the only thing I've seen about episode eight is a picture that has Gamora in the background. That's all Mm. I know about it. So you might be right. And maybe that's why they're playing eight closer to the vest than they did the previous seven episodes, which is they've got something they're worried about spoiling. Yeah. Gamora's Um, been in mm -hmm. a lot of the images for the show and has Mm -hmm. yet to be in the show. And Mm -hmm. she's wearing Thanos's armor and all those images. Yeah, you're right. She has his big helicopter sword. You're right. You're right. So it could be a what if Gamora. Maybe next episode is what if Gamora inherited Thanos's kingdom, army, plan, life goal. Um, Why if Gamora? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Um, right. So, yeah. So, I mean, you might be right. I haven't necessarily completely bought into y'all's theory. Not so much that I think it is wrong. Um, but because we've now had lots and lots of Disney Plus shows of us thinking more is going on than is actually going on. So who do you... I had a hard time with this one in this episode. Who are you guys giving MVP to? I, Robbie, you go ahead and go first. Okay, this was really hard. Um, I'm looking at the two y'all said, and I think and those were some of my choices. Um my one, reasoning for mine is not going to be what you think it is. Well, well, she was still someone I always, or, or he was also someone I picked as well. <laughs> um, one y'all did not say that I was thinking of is Loki. Um, partly because I think it would be fun to say, hey, remember when we said it was always going to be Loki? Hey, it was Loki this time. I thought that would be fun to say. Uh, and I really did like the Thor-Loki relationship. I really did see Loki. Yeah, he's, he's a, Loki in his universe is a frat bro. He's not necessarily a great guy, but he's not the villain 
he has a healthy relationship with what could have been his brother. Cool. I like seeing that. But as I thought about it, no one in this one episode is fantastic. It's more of a great ensemble. And what's really great about this, this episode is the music, the sight gags, the humor, the um, everything that went into it, not an individual character. So I picked a very off the beaten path MVP that I have never picked before in any of this. And I am going with director Brian Andrews as the MVP of this episode. Um, that feels I, like cheating. It does feel like <laughs> cheating. It absolutely feels like cheating. I was trying to think about how not to cheat, but I decided I'm going to cheat this time. Uh, Peach? Yeah, I I had a hard time with this one uh, for similar reasons, I guess. I just felt like the episode was more about the antics and mm-hmm. the similarity to these Saturday morning cartoons. So nobody in particular really stood out to me. And I think when nobody in particular stands out to me, but Kat Dennings is one of the cast. I'm going to give it to whoever Kat Dennings is playing because uh, I am in love with her. So I guess Darcy Lewis is my MVP. <laughs> Chris. She was great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed everyone in this episode, but I give it to Thor because seeing a cartoon version of Thor was just delightful to me. Fair enough. All right. So let's do our ratings for this one. Um, I am going to give episode seven of what if, Eight released foams out of ten. Robbie? Funny. That's almost the MacGuffin I used, and you'll know why when I say that my rating is 8.5 stolen ECVs out of ten. <laughs> I, I also considered uh, the released foam, but I, I went ahead with 8.5 rabbits in the sink out of ten. For your consideration, released foam. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, it was funnier in my head. Okay, so let's do our let's do our episode rankings. This order, uh, I don't like it because Chris hasn't gone first yet. So, Chris, what is your what if episode ranking? Oh, let me pull it back up. Sorry. Um, Look at it. So my order is uh, now. I think that actually the top three are very very close for me. But I have number one is the Doctor Strange episode. Number two is T'Challaord. <laughs> I like your T'Challaord. <laughs> yeah. Number three is Party Thor, and uh, that this is an episode that I think I could just go back and watch someday on its own. Just be like, I would watch the Party Thor episode again. Number four is What If Zombies? <laughs> Five is Dead Avengers. Uh, six is Captain Carter. And seven is Killmonger. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Robbie, how about you? Um, I'll get the whole ranking just because it's going to be fast since they're, you know, it's just a... Um, I agree with you. The top three for me are also very hard. Um, T'Challa Lord is my favorite, followed by Zombies, followed by Doctor Strange. Um, so that means my fourth. I do think this is more rewatchable than the other ones. Like, I think I'm going to rewatch this episode because I laughed so many times. But in terms of how great it was on first viewing, it's going to go fourth, and that's going to be Frat Thor, um, and then Killmonger, then Captain Carter, and then Dead Avengers at the bottom. Peach? Maybe it's like seasonality to me, but I felt... I feel that way about this one too. Like I could just go back and watch this one for a fun time, but I also feel the same way about what if zombies. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know that it's a grim premise, but it's played off in a, in a comedic way. Like we talked about on that podcast episode. And I feel like that's another one that I could just go back and, Hey, I'm sitting in my room doing something else. Why don't I put that up on the TV? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's a, it's a go back for me. So this this actually ranks pretty high. I have at the beginning is still um, 
the Doctor Strange episode, and then it's zombies, and then Party Thor, followed by T'Challord, which is the best thing I've read today, and then the rest of them. Yeah, so I don't know. This one was pretty fun. I The first time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? But not in a bad way. It wasn't in like a, I regret the time I spent. It was a, that happened, and I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how I feel about it. And then over time, I was like, no, that was great. I was midway through and realized that I kept laughing out loud, which I don't actually laugh out loud that much at stuff. And I realized, nope, I'm all in for this. Yeah. Oftentimes when you're not sure about how you feel about something, that's like a good litmus test, right? Like you Mm -hmm. just observe, like, how was I reacting to this? Oh, I laughed a lot. I think I liked it. (laughs) Or I probably wouldn't have liked it a lot. But that's, uh, that's it. That's Party Thor. Hit the timer. Listeners, how'd we do? Was that our any percent world record? I don't know, because we had to divide this recording up. We had some some technical issues. There's some behind-the-scenes knowledge. But hopefully we were pretty close. Hey, thanks for listening, as always. If you want to support us to the next level, you can always join us at patreon.com. Why do you let me do this? Slash assembly required. (laughs) Where you'll get access to that Patreon-exclusive Discord, community nights, talking with us, all the fun stuff. Big thanks to our Avengers-level patrons, the highest level of patronage. Brian and Riley, thank you so much. If you want to shoot an email to the show, maybe you disagree with uh, our feelings on this episode. Maybe you hated it. Maybe you wanted the more melancholy, serious stuff in a cartoon. I don't know. I don't know what does it for you. I'm not here to judge. I'm not going to shame you. Send us an email, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. We'll read your email on the show if you want us to. Uh, If you want to catch us on Twitter instead can find all of us there abcd eduardo one for eduardo d underscore peaches for me peaches gator sacks 2010 for chris phil kid three for robbie we're all over there say hi and uh that's it it's gonna do it for us this week so as always we'll we'll see you in the next episode and we love you 3000 bye everybody excelsior hailhydra.com fuck you boobly boobly He's a little bit of old school for it. They go a little something like this. People all around, you got this. Everyone together, sing it loud. Wazzle.